0: Welcome back, everyone, to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info. And, Scott, we have a lot of stuff to get through and not a whole lot of time to do it. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Because we do have some other games slated for one of the, well, many at this stage, Vector Sigma sponsored events, I guess is the best way to put it. So sure. our, I believe Dan is going to be streaming that later. So if you're watching this live, uh, I mentioned it pre-show, but uh, hopefully we can get the details from Dan in and chat and, and we'll shout him out during the show. But oh, otherwise, really? otherwise we could, of course, or you could, of course, viewer, listener, go check out the VectorSigma.info vectorsigma.info YouTube page. Couldn't get that one out for some reason. And we'll have all of the other games and other information over there. But our first topic for tonight, Scott, is actually event-related. <clears throat> and that's actually the top eight list, because we have officially the top eight at this stage. We're we're actually, at the time of this recording, a little bit beyond that, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, I think three of the top four, three of the top eight matches are complete. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I know, I think I know all that advanced. Well, I mean, I know the decks that advanced. I know the people too, so yeah,
0: I know. Right. Well, let's start with the the usual stuff, Scott, because both of us have the the deck list up, but there are clearly some surprises or at least surprises to, you know, probably I would say a lot of people out there, one in particular, but before we get to the one, yes, I'm going to tease everybody a little bit. Uh, any initial thoughts coming into this, like did, other than the obvious member of the top eight that is a surprise, did any of the other decks surprise you? No, not at all.
1: Really? Uh, I guess. Well, I guess.
0: I guess the two decks that surprised me
1: were two decks surprised me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the Fortress Maximus deck and the Swap Heads deck. Just, yes. But I, but in fairness, like that deck has performed well in other events. Um, we'll I've just stack, never, actually, you mean. yeah, I've just never actually seen it, quote in action. Um, gotcha. And then I guess, I, I, what, what was the breakdown like? How many, how many blue versus orange base decks was it? Do you,
0: do you know? Well, there were two Perceptor decks. One was blue, or yes. excuse me, two were blue. One was Sky okay. Shadow. One, the other one was also Sky Shadow. We have yep. two quake decks, which are very yep. much what you'd anticipate. <laughs> uh, a sky shadow horrible build also very much what you'd anticipate although there are some unique choices in the main deck which we can get to later. Uh, there is a blue perceptor based build that features pounce as compared to the sky shadow variants. and then we have our two oh, okay. yeah. and then we have our two dark horses i i don't know if that's really the appropriate term at this stage but uh the clobber swap heads build as well as fort max
1: so it's three three traditional aggro control blue decks one whatever it is fortress maximus deck um one traditional sky shadow orange two traditional sky shadow quakes and a the swap heads is definitely an orange deck so it's like four, three, one, basically. <laughs> but the Quake decks, I, guess, I mean, I guess they're aggro. They're more, I don't know, they're not combo-y, but they're more, like, I think they, they, they're kind of combo-y to me. Like,
0: they don't, they, yeah. they're not like hit you in the face aggro, but they're not, not. These I, ones, I, I don't, certainly, I wouldn't quite put them in the aggro category, simply because the orange counts as where, and Thank God for Fort Max to do the counting for me so I don't have to. <laughs> we're, we're looking at uh, one of the Quake builds has featuring 21 orange pips, and the other featuring 25. Typically, I'd expect somewhere in the mid to high 30s for what, you, what I would believe to be your standard aggro deck. And these are okay. co- even coming in well below that. Now, the Sky Shadow horrible deck is is also only at 26, but we clearly push that into the aggro category. So it obviously isn't a hard and fast rule. Anybody out there that's wondering what the hell I'm yammering on about, but it's, I agree there. I definitely personally have much more aggressive slanted quake decks as compared to these. Uh, I haven't personally been fond of the more black pip heavy variants that being said, they're obviously performing well, so I guess it doesn't matter what I think. Well, I think I
1: think when you have a situation where like you are getting such tremendous splash damage from your other plays that it doesn't really matter how much you attack for in combat, especially when you're in an aggro mirror. Your opponent's only defending for whatever their defense is.
0: Yes, so,
1: the, like, it,
0: it, it does definitely change the math. Yeah, the the concern I had typically had with these, and I don't in any way mean this to be a knock against the the players, the deck builders for this. Uh, My challenge was typically against even other aggressive decks. It's entirely possible that you're just pushing two damage on any given attack, which, yes, the damage doesn't matter in combat, but that only goes so far. Now, if you're able to play two relevant cards every single turn, which these are all chock full of cards that have relevant game text, great. Then you're fine. You can make up for it, especially in the orange slanted meta, where, you know, okay, I'm only getting in for two, but realistically, every turn I'm doing seven because of other reasons, you know, whether it's it's purple flips. I mean, you're getting in for a lot more. I mean, your guys have base. Quake is like a base five
1: in bot mode, and like right, usually attacks for four. I would think, like, so
0: yeah, it all. I'm exaggerating it slightly, but the concern is, do you just flip two black pips in your attack and then go, Oh, I'm at five, pierce two? Like, yeah, I mean, it's like impossible, but I mean, there's there's a lot of orange
1: blacks in the deck, so I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's not probable. I mean, you're probably gonna attack for one orange. The black isn't gonna mean anything, you're probably gonna get in there for like three damage, but you're doing so much damage outside of combat, it's not even funny. Then when the heads pop off. Exactly. Assuming they actually even get to attack, they're usually just getting in for and and actually dealing as much as their their base power is, usually, I would
0: say. Yeah, certainly in the case of Kreb, obviously with Grax, we're we're looking we're reaching a little bit more, but you're absolutely right. Uh, now beyond that A lot of people had been for a while singing the... uh, the, There's one every set. They're singing the song about how oppressive Sky Shadow is. But it ended up... I mean, at this point in time, I believe it was a significantly smaller percentage of the event overall than people expected, just from a quantity perspective. And then it only sported one person in the top eight. There's three in the top eight? Yes. Where I was going to finish the statement was the specifically referring to the aggressive end of things i mean that's fine I don't, I don't think that's i don't think
1: that build is better or worse than the control variant so I don't really, um,
0: so you're you're lumping the aggressive version in with the the control versions as well just as the sky shadow silo yeah i would think so um, I, I think i think the
1: difference is whether your tank defends for a bunch, or whether your plane attacks for a bunch, that's all.
0: Well, exactly. Yes, I mean there are other very vari- not variations, but other points of note. Specifically, you have Perceptor attached to it to a few of these, as compared to horrible, for example. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, clearly, the both the. Even putting the blues aside, the deck composition and the play patterns, I think, change a little bit, although it is ultimately you're funneling all your flips into a particular character to leverage all of the advantages there. Uh, Right. Is there anything you want to point out specifically about these Perceptor Sky Shadow builds? Do you think that this is poised? Was this just a meta evolution where we saw the, the Sea of Orange and Orange Black? And then now we have a number of blue decks, granted all Perceptor-based, or maybe not all Perceptor-based, but Perceptor playing a pom- prominent role as you'd expect. But is this just an evolution? Do you think these things should have been pillars from the beginning? What are your thoughts on that, Scott? I mean, these things were pillars
1: from the beginning when you look at what it, it actually perform well from that slant. I think um, whenever they have performed well, it's always been that way. I don't think there's another option you can go. Um, from the blue end, and- you're saying? At this stage, I don't think so because there's no other. I mean, can, if you draw very well, I assume you're the battleship type decks from Wave Four. Not so much Jetfire, but like Galaxy might be able to might be able to do something. I mean, it's. I would say what I would say is that the battleship decks from Wave Four are well positioned against these aggro control decks, which is actually different than the way it usually plays out in. Um, in other card games, it seems like the heavy control decks are still favored against the aggro control, as opposed to usually aggro control beats control and control beats um, aggro. But it seems a little bit different in this, especially in this meta. Yes. Um, like if you can't actually get in there and damage the, the giant character for anything significant every single turn, they're never going to go off the table. Right. Whereas in whereas against like the the aggro decks it's okay to only deal a certain amount of damage because, like, it just takes you one more attack, but you're also extending your own character's life totals through defending. So, like, to me, you actually have an advantage against the aggro decks as the aggro control decks because you actually need to deal damage, whereas as the battleship, you know, sit-back-and-do-nothing control deck, they they can't one-shot the characters anymore, correct so if if their big guy has to attack twice there's just you're just down too much especially with the, the it's almost, that it's almost getting at.
0: as compared to the way things were in the past or even just what you were just saying you're losing a turn in, in other scenarios here when it's that one guy can't just go that guy's dead. And next turn, right. that guy's dead. It's like right. you're losing three turns because you you right. got to, like, wind up again. Like, right. it's a cartoon, and he has to wind up his arm before he punches or something.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and and while...
0: Well, I do think that,
1: like, characters like Night Racer are an improvement over the options in the past. Like, you can't run Skydive anymore. You can't run... I mean, I guess you can run Flame War. Right. If you want um but she's not as good anymore and then characters like brawn just don't stand a chance against aggro decks yeah so he just so they're really getting exploited. control so yeah. like that might be one option to go um but i mean i don't know i like i i played an aggro control deck and i got stomped by all right at least i lost in three games to most of the control decks that i played against
0: so moving from there, and we can, of course, circle back to them, let's talk a little bit yeah. about the two newer players or ones or decks that people may not be as familiar with. And let's start with the Swap Heads build, which, as you said, has been performing well in other events. And it's obviously putting up numbers here. Yep. So... Um, oh, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. what I was going to say is this, just from the orange count to go back to... I don't want to say a meaningless number, but it is a number that we that I can point at. This is sporting thirty nine oranges, which is substantially more than the decks we were talking yeah. about before. It's much more in line with what we've seen in the past from aggressive decks, and it, I mean that much should be obvious when the lineup is clobber, fangry, horrible grax, and steel jaw. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like bold is back in vogue, especially due to the fact. Aside from the fact that this build is sporting the traditional full play set of all the double oranges, which is not the case for well pretty much every other deck that's up here. It's also running things like Power Punch and a number of other cards that we haven't seen for a while. So at the end of the day, this is just I'm going for the high score and I'm going to annihilate things in one shot. As far as I can tell, I have not had the opportunity to see this one in action yet, but it sounded like you were more familiar with it, Scott. Um, I mean, I've seen it do well in other events. I
1: Again, I haven't seen it actually see play. Mm. Um, I, I can't say that, like, there's a lot of cards in here that are just in here for their colors, and I'm not really sure that, like, I mean, like, for example, there's a lot of cards in here, like, I, I think are, I, I don't like very much, um, mm-hmm. at least from a numbers perspective. And then there's there's some cards in here that I think, like, Like, to me, like, the belligerents that are in the sideboard should probably just be run main deck. Because there's just, like, if you're going to run, I don't know, if you're going to run, like, uh, two precision fires and two rock tosses, if you're going to run, like, rollout and things like that to randomly maybe get a, uh, like, a blue on defense, I would just probably just run the belligerents type thing, like, main deck.
0: Yeah, the the rollout and the matrix stood out to me. Uh, Presumably, as you said, they're there primarily for the pips. I could see a cute play with rollout and steel jaw to give your team bold and then get back into attack mode or something like that. Yeah. Uh, But I assume they're really in there realistically for the pips. But in this orange heavy, or what we were assuming was orange heavy, or I assume really coming in, we're talking about a multi uh, Titan Master deck so you have a number of bodies, and you're leveraging one where it's entirely possible you just one-shot a number of characters. I'm very curious, mm-hmm. and I don't know if the person who played this deck was tracking this, but I'm sure they could give us some rough percentage. How often Swap Heads was able to actually go off without risking the death of the character it was on? Uh, if
1: it I don't... Shouldn't it? Well...
0: I mean, so we basically should... what did the this if, so you're going second. Your opponent says, Oh, you have clobber and swap heads. I see where this is going. Punch that guy. Do you ever get the, the
1: swap heads? I mean we were punching the guy with grax on the right, is what you're saying? We Say that again. The guy
0: with... Are you saying punch the guy with Grax or punch the guy with clobber and like Well, that's what I'm asking. Which did it turn out to be? Was it clobber or grax was the primary focus for people?
1: I mean, I would assume it was the clobber, but I mean, it depends on like what they're actually swinging with. Like, I think the main decision comes into play is whether or not the Fangry is actually going to get its extra bolt too out of the deal. Okay, yeah. I doubt. Like, any, I think any time that they can swing up the curve at an eleven, which is going to be rare, I think that you can't lose that game.
0: Yeah, um, which is another strike against those battleship characters that you were talking about earlier.
1: But right, right. But I mean, most, most, assist, uh, most assisting characters are going to be like. It seems like they're gonna be ten, so that he's gonna be equal to them. Right. Um but what I like about it is even when you switch it to Grax, you still get the you're not really losing much, you still get the Bolt 2 off the Fangry. So um mm-hmm. I like that play a lot. Um I wonder how many times he was able to set up plays where he actually was able to attack into the sky shadow combiner to with the fangry or with you know to get yeah. to the extra layer and as well. And then just annihilate
0: them because I would assume yeah. that's just gonna <laughs> obliterate yeah. the uh the sky shadow player. Uh, it's- I it's mean, I guess there's I guess there's an outside chance that he could actually KO a piece right away
1: even just clobber but it seems very it seems mathematically difficult although um I do actually I really like the steel jaw interaction um because what happens is like you flip steel jaw on one and then it mm-hmm. gets an extra bold one yep uh, on the fangry to start with and then you can swing into like if you go first you can swing into a piece and then you have what, bold four so yep. like you're four bold four. I mean, technically, you're flipping six cards. I mean, like you could technically get to twelve. Um, not very difficult. It probably is not very difficult to get to twelve. Um, and then, I mean, it's not easy, but it can definitely happen. Yeah. Um, and then when you eventually switch later, they're also going to have the bold. So somebody's always going to have the bold. Um, but with the other thing is, I mean, this deal draw could probably just run interference as well. I mean, it'll probably get one shot against aggro decks, but not against control decks. So.
0: Absolutely. You can
1: definitely run interference, and then um, if you ever have to flip back, you can.
0: Right. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of tricks in what seems to be a very straightforward deck, where it's, as I mentioned at the top, just go for the high score sort of thing, or at least it appears that way in the surface. The fact that you can set up a lot of these plays. I was a little surprised that there isn't more burn in the deck, uh, if, mm-hmm. As you pointed out, there's rock tosses, there's precision fires, there are two camion crashes, but not the full set. Uh, we don't see any one-shell stands, there's no magnetic dysfunction rays. It, to the point you were making earlier, where it is unlikely, although possible, to one-shot a piece on turn... a uh, uh, sky Shadow piece on turn one. Having that burn to then just follow it up next turn, swap heads into something, feels like a likely place to go. That being said, I haven't tried this, so it's entirely possible. They just wanted to ensure that the combat phase has always worked.
1: You should be able to one-shot a Quake right away also, right? Like, because uh, they, have a grax-
0: they have a Grax head on them usually, right? Generally. So he'd be 13 health, but 3 defense. Oh, uh, okay. So probably not, then. Yeah. Depending on, of course, you know... Well, there, there's no reason that he would be flipped and exposed on turn 1, realistically. If they went first, so... Uh, it, it's unlikely, right, right. but it's also, again, it goes to the burn aspect where, okay, you may not KO that quake piece, but just beat him up real good, and then you can finish I mean, you, him
1: you're, you're going to have both six, so... Hmm. I mean, that that could be enough. I don't know. That's eight cards you're flipping plus the four, so...
0: It's entirely I mean, possible. You can get to some really mean numbers. Yeah, I mean, when looking at the deck list, like,
1: there's only four whites in the deck, which I think... Probably just isn't enough. Um, I, I just I can't stand hold the line. Um, the mission briefing actually seems pretty decent, especially with steel draw in the deck. I Actually like that a lot. Um, Witches. The mission briefing. Oh, the had. mission briefing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The espionage I like against um, the sky shadow deck, so I agree with that. The one force field just seems so random, um, but. You know, I mean, it only has one battery Shield also, which I think is probably fine. Um, I think, I mean, look, I'm not a fan of Erratic Lightning and Power Punch, but I'm not really sure there's anything better.
0: Um, I mean, Power Punch, Star, I, so. yeah, I'm not a fan of Power Punch. I probably, personally, I probably would have gone with the full set of Fusion Border rather than Power Punches and then gone, like, the opposite numbers. Erratic Lightning, I think, is fine, Um mm-hmm. There, I mean, it, it's tough for me to criticize or say, oh yeah, well I wouldn't yeah. change this, it's obviously yeah, worked, sure. so yeah, yeah, I, Dan, did you take a peek at the sideboard with the uh, sideboard character? Yeah, Megatron Fallen Hero, I like that. I'm very curious as to where that one came in, or if it did come in throughout this event.
1: I doubt it. I don't think there's, I don't think there's an opportunity for it to do all that you need to do. I mean, what's that? So he would get uh, 15, I guess, and then um I don't even know how you would sideboard this. 15,
0: I don't know either because nine fifteen nine have a star card. I guess I don't know. I think it's just sure. there for the lols. I don't know. It's entirely possible. So it shows up on a spreadsheet and said, "Hey, yeah, Megatron was played."
1: <laughs> I actually really like the emergency barricades. I would actually consider running that main deck, especially mm-hmm. over the force field. Um, uh, obviously, I really like the escape capsules. You know, I, the Matrixes are actually fine because, like, your characters are Autobots and Decepticons, so it's actually kind of okay. I mean, you're never going to be able to use it. Um, so, uh, but I mean, it, it's fine for what it does. It can always go on a guy. Um, but I really like the, um, I really like the emergency barricades. I'd be curious to hear how they were, um, how effective they were. Throughout the- yeah, there's you brought a... Them in,
0: there's a lot of things about this that I like and I'm very intrigued by because it's an idea that I think we all had mentioned very on, very early on in way, the Wave 5 meta, maybe way back when these cards were first revealed, where it's, well, what if you slap Clobber on Fangry or slap Clobber on whoever and just go nuts with orange stuff? And that's kind of what this deck is doing, which is is very amusing to me. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the, the other oddball one though in fort max uh did you see fort max coming at all i mean
1: i knew it was gonna be played because
0: christian was somebody told you (laughs) because
1: christian was already qualified
0: so he wanted to play something quote fun and Um, yet he still managed to perform very well with it even though it's a quote-unquote just for fun build yeah he's already in the top four but there's a reason for that and I, i think
1: i think the reason for that is because this preys on blue decks and i i just I don't have a total breakdown. Dan has a total breakdown, but I do know that, like, I think there, like you said, there was a there was an abundance of blue decks here, mm-hmm. um, so
0: he probably faced a bunch of them. Um, well, he did. I know for a fact he beat two quake decks on the way. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Now, one of them I did not see. One I did cast with Dan, and game one, he the quake player made an error that cost him the game. Like just okay. that's what happened. One of the other games, he just the Quake player just got annihilated. Like there was just no shot. Um, which is it's sometimes just,
1: there's not enough characters to like it, make it go off, is that the point?
0: Well, it it wasn't quite that. It was really just the Quake player, again, this goes back to my argument for or wow. in favor of having a more orange focused Quake deck. Typically, and I said this before we went into the match. I expected Quake to take it because I didn't have a deck list in front of me because I was assuming an orange build and three wide beats up on Metroplex and I expected something mm-hmm. similar here because, yeah. you know, you have more bodies, they can soak more damage, blah, blah, blah. However, that didn't turn out to be the case because most of his attacks were super anemic so he was attacking for mm-hmm. five pierce two and it mm-hmm. just didn't matter. He never got far enough. Now, he did KO Fort Max but then Cerebros took over. I don't recall if we ever got farther than that, but Cerebros uh, with the Grax head on, it was just... There's too much. 13 was too much? Well, because he also has innate tough, and as well as he was able to recur force fields constantly. So even if he was getting... Remember, like I said, he was typically only attacking the Quake player for like two or three. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't getting it done. Okay. So it... Point being is, it does seem to have some game against aggro to some extent. I would like to see it on a longer timeline, because yes, mm-hmm. while he beat two quake decks on the way, we're still only talking a five round event.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's entirely possible this, there was some. And this is and don't everybody out there don't misunderstand. This is no way trying to take away from what was accomplished with Fort Max, but we are talking a small sample size for this kind of thing, so... Uh, But it seemed to be working out really well, despite the fact that the main deck is 46 cards.
1: It's 46 cards on purpose, so that he doesn't... um, He says he flips so many cards when he's, like, turtling around as the Fort Max, that when he got to um, Cerebros, he didn't have enough cards left in his scrap pile, and a lot of times he would activate it and... Not be able to get anything
0: out of the deal. Exactly. That's what Dan had mentioned prior to us casting the game, which I thought was definitely an interesting way to address it, since he obviously wanted Grax as the head as opposed to Freeze Out or one of the other ones that would have ended up cycling the deck at forty cards in a different uh, time frame.
1: Yeah, I think it comes out how many
0: weights you have in the deck, so he has two, four shades uh, right there. It says fifteen, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Um, which is a a fair amount. So, but you really need it for the defensive triggers because obviously it's mm-hmm. blue white on there as well as even on offense just to, okay, well I need to see more cards to guarantee that I'm getting there as much as this, as well as uh Metroplex, you assume, Oh, well you have bold four, you're going to get it. Or you have bold, whatever you're going to get it. It isn't always quite that simple. And sometimes the deck <laughs> on average and on a long enough time f- timeline, Yes, you will get it. That doesn't mean you always actually get it. Yeah, that's fair. So, that's fair. Uh, so those are our two oddballs. We talked a little bit about the Sky Shadow builds together. And then, of course, we have our Quakes, which are always the fan favorite. There are several people that are very big Quake fans in yeah. uh, in Discord. <laughs> now, they there are some interesting... Hard choices across these. Um, so for example, Nick's version's running composite armor, which is something that can sometimes be difficult to play. He's also running our disruptor blades. Whereas in Ventrix build, he obviously limited those, but he's only running one fight for position and two magnetic dysfunction rays. But he's also leaning into the special delivery plan, which I like. It there there's a lot of room for playing around with this stuff. As mm-hmm. you said, the, the Black Pips just... They do so many things now, as compared to before, so you can get a lot of power out of these cards just by well, playing them, as silly as that sounds. Uh, one do you thing, think the scouting mission is necessary, or would you just run um, Mission briefing there? <sighs> That's a good question. For mine, because I'm less reliant on the cards played... Mm-hmm. As in because I'm more orange, I rely heavier on the combat step, so it doesn't matter if I have relevant or matter as much if the cards in my hand are relevant. Mm-hmm. I prefer the scouting mission just because it is the burn and the random blue will help. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I can see the argument for mission briefing because well, you got if you if you know you need card draw in this matchup, you want to make sure you find it. And I'm looking at their sideboards real quick, and neither of them appeared to run that. So they were just banking no. on the well it, I noticed it Quake and horrible were usually always in bot
1: mode. So it's it's always gonna just
0: be a pep talk that's green. I exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it because you're again it's sort of this pseudo-aggro deck where it's it's mostly aggro, but I guess a little combo-ish, you are dumping your hand relatively quickly, so those refill options are important now the the sideboards are actually cool and I want to call out the doom shot that's showing up in yep. uh, Ventric sideboard because that's something that a lot of people have discussed as an answer you swap out one of the heads for well obviously doom shot and then that way you can try and fight off some of these aggressive decks you can fight off other things that are just gonna try and one shot your quake on turn one mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. Uh, whereas on the other oh, side obviously yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Just put on fangs, isn't that. Yeah, that's what I would expect. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that's actually what he did. I didn't get to observe any of his games, but that's where I assume it would go. Now mm-hmm. the the other one is running Parsec, which I'm not sure about out of the board. I don't know if that was very much a. Well, I don't care about my board character, so whatever. Fireboard. Yeah, it was um, <laughs> but there is something cool that's in there that we had talked about going into the event, and that's supporting fires showing up in the sideboard here. So you could. If you have Kreb on, or well, actually, it's going to be 10, so you could have uh, Briscoe on Fangry and supporting fire Fangry mm-hmm. into a Quake, you know, mm-hmm. but that's hiding behind the lines for the mirror. So it was cool preparation there um, mm-hmm. on that end. But beyond those, we have our smattering of Sky Shadow decks to kind of bring it full circle. Was there anything that jumped out to you, Scott, across these, the blue ones or the orange, that? you know, was notable across these? Um,
1: I still, like, the the horrible one, I guess, still has room to play, like, all the double oranges in the world. Like, you get, what, like, a bunch of them, right? You get, uh, he's not even, like, again, I don't understand that. I don't understand not playing the, the shields. I never understand that, but... What uh, shields? I never right shields. I never understand. But, um, uh, I mean, I think point position in the one deck is very good. That was one of the ones I
0: I was very curious about that. So we're learn us something, Scott, where's that one coming from? I mean, I guess you
1: force them into one of the pieces, right? And then Mm. basically like, so what happens is is that you, if if they don't have a plethora of direct damage out of hand, then what winds up happening is they quote, like just waste an attack by doing so much overkill to the one piece that's earned damage that like it's, it's, Ridiculous. It sets up
0: awkward scenarios, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it's also a Black Pip, which is obviously important for Horrible, which is... is it, I don't want to call it cute, because that kind of downplays it, but the whole package is very interesting in the way it plays together. Yeah, I also find it
1: interesting... I agree
0: with this, but I find it interesting that...
1: Because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm very much of the same ilk that... Um, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Precision Fire, and he's running Rock Tosses over them. Um mm. uh, which, uh, I mean, I think they're effectively the same card, except for you really have... You have no chance of your own guys taking any damage, so... Right.
0: um, Yeah, there's a slight uh, trade-off there where, obviously, at the end of a game, it can get awkward, like, trying to to get the Rock Tosses to actually connect, but, yeah, yeah. they're functionally, for the most part, the same thing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Not to... They labor the point, but I'm still staring at these point positions because it's so interesting to me. The Like, taking a turn off playing something aggressive in order to set that up, but it also would be really cool to say, oh, well, they popped your piece for 9 damage or built it up to 9 damage and you somehow know they don't have burn or I guess you have no other option. You point position and even the score or something like that, uh, which would be Mm -hmm. hilarious. Because those are the the villainous spotlight slots in this deck as compared to mounted missiles or other options. Yeah, maybe that's happening. That'd be be cool. That would be a really funny... I'm hoping that he took somebody out with that because that would Uh be hysterical, but that might be asking a lot. Now, one other thing that's in here that I wanted to call attention to was in the board, and that's there's a Gears and Sabotage, which I believe was probably a concession to various combo builds. I'm not sure what else you would want that against.
1: It's the type of thing where, like, if it was in your deck to begin with, I would have no problem with it. Like, but, like, obviously when it's coming out of the sideboard, it's just for combo. Like,
0: you're just never going to go into that, but... um, Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Beyond that, I mean, he has double Vandalize on the board, which is kind of funny. I I guess another potential concession to combo, because if you slow them down, then you can Vandalize away all their stuff and just reset their board. So, uh, Grizzly, I I take it he's not a huge fan of DE. Not that there are many out there. (laughs) <laughs> Probably. Um, so beyond that, what about the, the blue variations? Anything catch your eye from those? I mean, I'm looking at one right now that does not have a full set of, of showing offs.
1: Um, I mean, they seem pretty typical to me, um, hmm. other than like single car choices here and there. Um, yeah. they're, they seem pretty standard to me. To
0: what's going on, the mile long deck lists that are, you know, tons of one ofs because it makes sense. Notably, the blue ones are also featuring Peace Through Tyrannies, despite being quote unquote blue decks, because, Mm -hmm. well, Sky Shadow doesn't mean things if you you Peace Through Tyranny one of the pieces. Yep. Uh, Two of them are sporting Chrome Dome out of the board, which, again, I guess is presumably a concession to Combo. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, you can also grab other people's pieces or terran's if you feel like that's
1: more important than you just don't have enough time to to set up Perceptor. you could just be more proactive and take away their, their plays that way.
0: Gotcha. I mean that make makes logical sense. The other one's running an ominous, which presumably, you know, the Pierce 4, that one seems pretty self-explanatory as to what that would come in against. But one thing I did want to point out is in Samori's list, he's featuring three marksmanships, which I th- thought was kind of interesting.
1: I mean, I don't know when they're going to come in, but... That's, he it was two point defense systems, which I don't know when they're going to come in either. Um, and two stable well, and two stable covers, so I don't know when they're going to come in either. So
0: I mean, I could see a point defense system coming in if you assume I'm blue enough that the opposing players... You know, like, you'll actually defend enough for the pierce to be the only damage, realistically, that comes into play. Yeah. And given that it's a Perceptor build... Alright, board in one. And if it turns out it works, great. If it doesn't, well, guess where they go? So Under um, Perceptor. I just haven't found that
1: to be the case, really, to be honest, Like when I'm playing. so Yeah, that,
0: that's another one in the category of, did that work out as anticipated? Because that seems, I don't want to say a little bit of a reach, but it's definitely uh, approaching that territory. And your favorite card is in uh, Earth One Gary's list in Lucky Dodge in the board. Inside work. There you yeah, go. Yeah, lucky dodge out of the board. I hope that's another card that I hope he was able to steal a match with because that would be hysterical. Um, yeah. Beyond that, like you said, they seem to very much be standard for the most part. Uh, any other thoughts on the on the top eight? I know you said you had three of the four top four, So do you want to spoil that for everybody?
1: Um. So Fortress Maximus beat one of the Perceptor, Sky Shadow, Blueless. Um, Quakes had a mirror and Ventric One. <laughs> um, that had to be hilarious. It was, yeah. There was a lot of a lot see, of triggers. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of triggers. Um, I think the Swap Heads deck is playing against the Orange Sky Shadow with Dan later, and I think the the other Blue Sky Shadow beat the Pounce deck. I think that's where, just now, I think that's what happened.
0: Okay. So if we only have the one remaining, do you want to make a prediction on the Swap Heads versus Orange Sky Shadow? Do you? Th- um, I don't know.
1: I, 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 like, I guess part of me wants to say that you wouldn't play the deck unless it had an advantage over the Sky Shadow deck. Right. So I, I would like to believe that, like, it was favored because that's the way that, that's why he chose to
0: play it. If
1: that makes any sense. Like, yeah. I follow it. it. Right.
0: Um, Cause so if you, know especially that. through these other events that you were referencing, they've been going on for a while and there was that period where it was, all right, everybody's playing sky shadow, especially the orange version. So. Right. Yeah. I, I would like to believe that he's prepared
1: for that matchup. So
0: hmm. I can see that honestly. I mean, it's one of those orange matchups and sky shadow can do some mean things sometimes, I could see it going either way, but that's partially my unfamiliarity with the swap heads bill. But I agree with you that <laughs> obviously if you've been playing this for a while and you know what it does, there's a reason you're playing it. So right, I can definitely right, see right. that being the case. So that'll do it for the top eight lists. Let's move into quick update, quick update Scott about where the committee stands and where we're going and Anything else you want to throw out there at the moment?
1: Um we've been publicly testing a lot of
0: the stratagems and giving a lot of updates. Um both Cameron and Gian have
1: both put articles out there explaining what their process was for a couple of their um stratagems they worked on, so shout out to them. Um they were Scotland's length articles, so I was pretty impressed.
0: Um, <laughs> I have to say, yeah, they, they were well written.
1: Uh, um so not quality like just the length of them i was pretty impressed with like yeah, yeah. the thoroughness of what went on from from start to finish so i mean we are like i said we are dedicated to showing a lot of this again um we started putting the the watermark on there as alphas until you until we you know release any kind of pdf or anything like that that's that's, that's official um some of these may not make the cut in the end um some of them haven't been tested yet there's a bunch out there there's probably like what 20 or 22 or something like that out there that we're totally testing in total um, I think it's going well. I mean, I think I think what people need to understand is that the goal of this is to bring these characters from Wave One up to playability status. Um, you know, I, I will I will debate with anybody, and I know you will as well. That like, and we've said this numerous times, especially when you you know um, listen back. But I'll I'll just bring it up again. Um, these characters aren't playable in their current form at all. Right. and if you were to if you were to add a star to every stratagem that exists and say stratagems must have a star on them which by the way was only being done for the first week, um we never heard that they weren't going to do it that way but the 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 answer to the question was this is the way they are now of course. Um, so these characters just need a buff to begin with, and uh, it's a lot easier to, to, you know, like like we said, if you, when you're creating a card from scratch, I feel like there are numerous pitfalls. There's the character's stats, there's the character's ability, there's the character's flip, um, there's the character... And, and a lot goes into that, like, you know... Um, like, if we take a character like like Cup from this set, for example. Like, if, if you were building a deck around him, you wouldn't need to include any kind of upgrade removal in your deck. Right. As long as you had to way to reliably trigger him multiple times, etc. Um, you know, when you're playing Perceptor now, you don't need to include card draw in your deck, because you have that built in. Right. So, depending on the abilities you put on a card, there's a lot of ramifications as to what that does to deck building. Um especially when it's like a flip to all bot notability, uh, for example, that only takes you one flip. Um, of course. So there's a lot that there's a lot that goes into this, and um, but the the simple fact is a lot of these characters from a stat perspective are just not good enough to compete in the in the wave five meta for sure uh, because they were, they were just understated as a result. Um, and the stats have just gone to such astronomical levels, especially when you uh, factor in the Titan Master mechanic. So, um, if they quote seem overpowered, it's simply because we're trying to get them to the to the wave five power level, not to. And it, and I'm actually okay if it was beyond, but I don't really think that they are in in what I've seen right. from the results. Um, I, I think I think there are certain cards in this meta game now that are so ubiquitous that like it's impossible to build without them in in, in intention. Um, And I think, I think given those parameters, going into another set for Watsi would have had
0: to compensate as well. Absolutely. Um, The the fact of the matter is that the, as you put it, the way things are now, or maybe you didn't quite say this, but the, the way things are now from a competitive meta perspective are not what they were in wave one. And there's just... Flatly, There's no way to just take them forward without having these seemingly astronomical jumps in power. But realistically, the goal is not to say, oh, well, all of the stratagems that we're creating, and this is, again, broken record time, but we're not trying to displace everything. We're just trying to bring these and essentially add to your collection for all intents and purposes because – and this is the way I've described this internally when we've talked about things – From a competitive level, all of those cards that can't make the cut, whether they're characters, and we'll get to battle cards eventually, but for now we're focused on characters. Characters that aren't showing up in decks now might as well not exist. Mm -hmm. Because they just, the ones that can't be played. Obviously there's, like we talked about this top eight list, Gears isn't showing up in every deck, but he shows up as a sideboard character. Presumably Mm -hmm. that was his intention, was to always run it alongside the stratagem. But some of these other characters, specifically ones from Wave 1, they're just not getting there unless you push things and keep them in balance with whatever is currently tier one now. So uh, we just went through a number of tier one decks or seemingly tier one decks. So keep that in mind when you're seeing some of these things, you're going to look at it. And everybody did this in preview season before too. It's like, oh my God, look at the numbers on X, look at the text on Y. And we're blown away by certain things. And the fact of the matter is that there is a lot of effort and a lot of, you know, both theory crafting as well as, I guess, regular crafting in actual testing that's going on for a lot of this. So it's not just slinging numbers at a wall and we're going, good luck. Yeah, I think I think one part that I think people might take for granted is
1: we've been playing with this set for over six months. Like, because we, because basically as soon as, well, it's, it's literally almost it's almost five months to the day. Uh, well, we're about a week out from five months to the day where like I stopped working at work. And right right that week is when I went to CVS and printed out protocol proxies. Right. So like I've been physically, literally physically playing with the set around this time when the full spoiler came out for that long. Um, so like, We've seen what these cards can do well before the whatever, what was the drop? Did what was the date? May twenty eighth? Yeah, I day. was going to say twenty fourth, but yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, whatever that date was, like we had already been playing with the cards for a full like two three months before that. Mm-hmm. So like, if like we have a pretty good idea of what the metagame looks like. So like we're if you notice like when we're testing, we're usually testing against. Completely, we five-dominated decks to try to get an idea of, of where things stand, and the idea is to give you options. Um, like, will cream always rise to the top? Like, arguably, yes. And we and we know, but we also know that not everybody always is going to play. Like, I I, I think I think realistically in this game, there's always been like a best deck. Um, I think th- honestly, I think the only time there wasn't was probably during the the Siege One meta because I just don't because that there was just such a confusing meta that like it, like you could have played different flavors of the same thing, but it was hard to understand like mm-hmm. the power was in the battle deck, not in the um, not necessarily in the characters because um, we hadn't reached that threshold of power level on some of the characters yet. So I'm not really sure technically like what the best deck was then, but I think in the other meta games, especially once you had sideboarding or even when you did, there was always, to me, like a best deck to be played. Hmm. Uh, if you were literally putting like against the scale. And our idea is that like we may not, uh, we may not have 100% established what that is yet in terms of like the one, but we want to give you more options to figure out to get there, because it seems like... I mean, how many different decks were in the topic?
0: Five? Two? Yeah, I mean, well... It, it, so, Sky Shadow... Quake, Fort Max, the Clobber thing, and then uh... the the thing. But there were two. Ooh, that was a Perceptor. There were multiple Sky Shadows. Two types of Sky Shadows. Yes, control. I was lumping them mentally together. Yeah. Right, right. There's like five or six.
1: Um, and we're just trying to expand what that pool is. We're just trying to give you more options. And I'm actually fine with, you know, like like I know like Dan testing the other night. Like one of the Dinobot strategies, for example, he was like, "This was really solid against Quake, but still weak against Sky Shadow." Like, I'm totally fine with that. Right. Like, I, I think that's I think that's a solid thing because as long as and I think Quake is favored against Sky Shadow the way it works, so like I'm totally fine with how that shapes out. Of course. If we're inserting something in between
0: rock and paper, I'm totally fine. With that. I think that's kind of the sweet spot because then. It- it's exactly what you said. You have a choice. You have options where you can say, "All right, I'm. I expect the meta to be this, or I'm more comfortable with this, and then I will modify the sideboard or the main deck to compensate in whatever ways." As opposed to introducing something that's way above or way below everything else, and then again, it it kind of removes the entire choice because if it's so good, you don't play anything else, and if it's so bad, you never play it.
1: Right, and I like. Okay. Uh, i'll continue to say is that like i still believe that a lot of, for a lot of these Wave one characters this was their iconic version that was printed because it was yeah. the first that the game out and so i mean like again we talked about this in the in the the death podcast um but like you know do you remember the dinobots that became volcanicus because you know I think I'm the only person on the planet that likes the Machinima where that actually happened. So, I mean, like, you know...
0: I mean, to be uh, fair, they were Volcanicus a long time ago. I distinctly recall I mean, that. I mean, but, like, no. No one cares about that. Uh,
1: <laughs> and when I, I say no one, like,
0: I I don't mean literally, but I, I almost mean literally no one. <laughs> I think they were Volcanicus because
1: somebody took, like, epoxy and decided to put them together in order to do it. And then Hasbro said, okay, we'll do this. You know, like, I don't think it was the... It is cool never the intention to begin with, so... Right, right, right. Um, so, you know, I, I just think that there's, you know, I think a lot for a lot of the characters, this is, this is their iconic or only version um, that exists. Yep. And so, like, before we just go off and create new versions of that character, we just think that
0: there's a lot there to still explore. Exactly. They, they bring their own interesting play patterns to the table. Basically, and mm-hmm. there's no reason to excise that. So, mm-hmm. uh, any other thoughts for the the update, Scott? Before we move into the upcoming events, even though we're we're finishing out this one still. <laughs> uh, no, I mean the the goal is to basically get
1: these to be um, usable. Probably not in the next event, but the event after that, um, because I think the next event. Will probably feature some other format that's not um, like normal old constructed. So it probably wouldn't um, wouldn't fit there gotcha. either. So I think there's more time to test them. Makes sense. Um, and still have formats that, that are out there. But I mean, we plan to have them out like well in advance of. I, uh, we're we're targeting I think the invitational for the first time at least. Gotcha. But it might be earlier if we get it done.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much fluid we do have some milestones and deadlines but it's we want to do it right so mm-hmm. you, you you do things right there are some things that are going to have to you know get in line to make that happen so yeah we were able to go back to the drawing board several times of course and that's the only thing we can do so and I, and
1: as like everybody else like it's still harder to play test as it is harder to play so
0: yep mm-hmm. absolutely so let's move into our last topic, Scott. And you would want to talk about a new format that's going to be coming up for some of the Vector Sigma events. And it's specifically surrounding Waves 3 to 5. So let me kick it to you to, to preface everything and then take it away. Yeah, so we wanted to
1: simulate a, quote, like standard format in um, our rotational format in in the game. And so we decided to go with uh, Waves 3 through 5. It, it's, a, it's a it's an addition to what we used... We talked about before with the Siege Block format that we had, we had worked on before. It's just a, you know, another version of that. Um, so, you know, I, I think what it allows for is a lot of these stat upgrades that we've talked about at Nauseam um, happened around the Siege Block era. So yep. I think the characters are just more on par where you might see some diversity in the character lines based on um, what goes on if certain cards and certain characters drop off. Um, I'm hoping, anyway. I mean, it may not happen. I mean, we, we may just have still a predominance of, of Titanizer's stack because that's just the way that it may work out. But um, I'm hoping that there's a little bit of diversity in what goes on because I, 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 I do believe that the format is continued to be dominated by, by battle cards that existed in the first two waves, but characters that existed in the waves past that. Yes. So... I think without that marriage of very powerful early battle cards and very powerful late characters that we may see completely different decks form um, as a result. And that's what I'm curious to see.
0: Is there anything you happen to have in mind that would fit that category? Or I mean, the obvious things, as you said, the Titan Masters, we, we've been harping on it for, well, almost six months now, about mm-hmm. how powerful this mechanic actually is and how much it is. It warps everything around it. So their presence alone, you know, the sky shadows of the world, the quakes, the horribles, I mean, Perceptor is going to be legal. All the things that we just talked about are going to be there. But, as you said, the consistency and power level of certain pip combinations is not there. Is there something, what's your vote, I guess, for Dark Horse that's going to show up out of this particular format? I think Shockwave is really good in this format. Um, We're gonna have an oldie but goodie come back. Yeah, I I think so.
1: Smaller, smaller set like block type formats that are that have access to less powerful cards are usually dominated in the past and other games by consistent card draw to get what you need.
0: Yeah, and and when when, in the case of inconsistency, consistency is king or something like that.
1: Yeah, in the in the land of
0: the. Blind
1: than what I made mean as Kings. Yes, actually, quite <laughs> literally, from in my opinion.
0: Hey, hey I mean, no, <laughs> no pun intent, or yeah, all the puns intended. <laughs> so, I mean, if I if I decide to play,
1: that's probably what I'm going to play. Mm. Um, if, I, if I have the time and ability to not play test all the time and, and to be dedicated, that's probably what I'm going to play. Gotcha. Um, I do think that while Orange loses a and Aggro lose a lot. I think it's actually harder to play a straight blue deck than it is actually to play a straight orange deck because um, orange can always just flip cards and attack. Um, blue, like it's more subtle as to what you need to do. Yeah. Um, although the secret actions are, since they came out in Siege, are very powerful. Um, to me, it's more about
0: what the format doesn't have than what the format does have. Well, I think that's where it starts, but I think as time goes on, people are going to rediscover a lot of things. We've already had that sort of discussion going on uh, among a number of people in Discord where it's, oh, well, I'm missing all of these weapons. Oh, yeah, battlemasters are still there. Right, exactly. Um, exactly. There's this whole mechanic where the character became a weapon. Yeah, so. quite literally. And beyond that, we, although we had said that it's Waves 3 through 5, the Blaster versus Sound Soundwave collection set whatever is going to be included as well just not the reprints correct correct so no like the, there were cards reprinted in the set um for
1: playability purposes again as we talked about a nauseam that the battle cards were very powerful before the siege right block existed so um like there was a grenade launcher in there there was a scoundrels blaster in there there was incoming transmission in there those are the three i can think of off the top of my head mm-hmm.
0: uh, yeah those aren't legal so right yeah, it's strictly new stuff. For those yeah, audio listeners, that was air quotes. Yeah, if you look at the bottom of those cards, like the cassette-based cards, um, they actually say "weave you know, 3 on them. So I never got the actual retail one, so all of mine say 35th anniversary. I think they both say it. Let me see if I can find one. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what... Oh, they do say 35th anniversary, so fine. They would have yeah. to say 35th. They would have to say 35th anniversary
1: or leave whatever they came out of.
0: Right. Yeah, the the point is to exclude the grenade launchers of the world, to push people into trying to find these other hidden gems that may not be there. Now, it would be very easy for people to just slide into, well, just run fusion borders instead. But I think there are going to be some more creative variations on a lot of these decks. And a lot of... There's certainly a lot of potential for non-Titan Master things to make a big splash. So I am, like you, I'm excited to see what creativity brings from all the players that are involved in this.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as much as I want to play, I also kind of want to take a step back and take take um, take note of it as well. So I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do. Right. Um, but I, but like I said, I do think I do think the certain decks that are Popular and powerful now will immediately jump to the forefront and say, "What am I going to substitute
0: of course. what I what I'm missing for?" But I think for all of you out there that have never dealt with a rotating format, that's usually what happens. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think what is missing is
1: is very very powerful and very depth-defining, mm-hmm. very um, unfair in certain situations. So you can say that I think, yeah. <laughs> I think I think what. So I think I think some of the cards that I think some of the marriage between battle cards and characters that make a lot of these decks tier one tier S S whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. you call it in um, God tier whatever you want to call it um, when you are missing the battle cards you need to jump you to that
0: level I think a lot of more things are in the A tier right Yeah um, it it or, definitely creates a lot more parity among the various decks because of the limitations.
1: Right. I mean it's typically like when you're missing bashing shield, hollow matter projector goes up in value, the rock, paper, scissor armors go up in value. Um, when you're missing enforcement, Batons, the battle masters go up in value. Um, when you're missing uh, obviously when you're missing like ramming speed, vaporize, all these other, and then those other cards reprocess mm-hmm.
0: dismantle go up in value. Um, I mean by the same token now the uh, the disassembles of the world become to the forefront but there is because you brought up bashing shield which has been on my personal watch list if that makes sense it's always one of those like everybody loves to harp on things like well the sky shadows, the ptt's, the whatevers bashing shield has been the thorn in my side since it's printing basically and as compared to bashing shield where it's blow up your armor and I get an armor now it's blow up your armor oh you get two cards or a card um, it, it changes the dynamic for a lot of these things because now instead of just all upside, it's you know some trade off. What I think is also very important that people don't understand is
1: most players are used to all my greens are upgrades, like right. I mean, most of the time, like it's yeah. really hard to like. Yeah, I mean, I there's mean, the, the stray reprocess and stuff like that, but yeah, right. espionage things like that. But like most of the time, you're like getting upgrades. Now all of a sudden, you like will be getting. Most of the time, I assume either bad upgrades, like those bad bashing shield things that were in Siege 1. Oh, the ones when they die, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Or you'll be getting um, mostly actions. So I think it changes the phase that things are going on.
0: Which we've, or I know I brought it up before. I think you said the same, Scott, on previous shows, that actions as compared to upgrades often have the, the more explosive or splashy effect. And so now, for example, that disassemble is competing with playing Camion Crash. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. As exactly. opposed
0: to I can bashing shield and play one shall stand in the old right. world. So, right. I mean, this is exactly what you were describing. I know I'm repeating it, but again, mm-hmm. just yeah. to elaborate the point, um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this changes the dynamic. And this goes back to when we did our, you know, the The end of the game episode, that I feel a lot of this sort of design was learned over time. And it's like, oh, well, you, obviously, if you can play two cards a turn, it's better than only playing one. Yes, everybody recognizes that, but the approximate power levels in comparison from upgrades to actions or action against action and where that factors into the resource system, quote-unquote, of the game, understandably... I don't think wizards had a hundred percent firm and complete grasp of what that was then obviously we didn't as players and it's evolved since then yeah agree so I mean obviously
1: some of the other things is like you know we're missing the free double pips we're missing the free split pips matrix and rollout and things like that yeah. um,
0: so you know I think or at least once the double that. pips obviously we have our are base yeah, on ones and are reprints ones. Hmm.
1: Um, you know, I'll be curious to see. I'll be curious to see what people come up with because, like, there is a heavy black focus. Obviously, um, there is some some metagame choice green cards that are out there. Um, I'm curious to see if people go back to battle masters. Um, I think the powerful battle masters are still very powerful. I think there's play for the weaponizers. I think there's play for. Um, I think some of the battleship level characters have, lose a lot. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that that is bad. Um, it's a lot harder to get a galaxy upgraded stick
0: when you don't have matrices.
1: So um, it's just harder to flip. the But entities. like you said,
0: the blue decks can't necessarily just wall up all day. So right. maybe getting right. pierce three across your entire team is not going to be as required. Right. Um, but I don't think you can actually even get the ability to go off as consistently anymore
1: um, with that. I mean, Sorry. obviously you got like energy packs, but like even your ability to like deem bold is, is, is hampered. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know how much time people have to really, test the event i mean i think it's going to be a learn on the fly type of situation and if people really like it um i think we would definitely i mean we definitely run it again um i just don't want to i just it's just it's going to compete with the fact that we we decided to make guards for wave one and wave two and things like well, that it, it
0: this is work. how a lot of the and for people yeah. out there that aren't aware that this yeah. is how it works out if you split these sort of formats there obviously has to be support for the, you'll hear the phrase eternal format, where it's, yeah. yes, you mm-hmm. can play all these old cards. So, exactly what you're describing, Scott. We're not going to get away from those sort of events because, well, A, we're designing those cards for it. And there's still a lot of fan favorite things there, different strategies, yeah. specific mm-hmm. cards, that sort of thing. So, but uh, I think that'll do it, Scott. Any last closing thoughts before we close up shop for this evening? No, you still have until. Um... August 12th to get in
1: the event. Um, if you have any questions about how it's being run or uh, through the Patreon system or anything like that, feel free to hit us up. Uh, we haven't we haven't had time to fully look into another system yet. If that's a concern, uh, but, again, feel free to hit us up. We can discuss it. Um, we have until the 12th at midnight to get deck lists in, so we'd love to have you. Uh, again, as usual, we're shooting for 32 players. Um, same prize pool, probably even, depending on who, how many people play, it would be even better. Um, There's still, we'll still have eight spots up for grabs for the um, invitational. Yep. I think, I think Dan said spots for the invitational for this constructed event went down as far as 17th, uh, based really? on people above that had already been qualified. So um, there is that as well. So like, obviously, uh, you know, as people continue to play in the events, it's more chances for you to qualify. As those invites pass down um we are hoping which we couldn't do this time because of everything going on and because of you know all the work we've had to do we are going to try to treat this event with more um, fan friendly so we're going to show more games on stream and things like that and we'll be commentating on more games like we did in the first event that we had i think if some of us take a step back and don't play in it, that'll be an opportunity for that. Absolutely. I think it's important in formats like this. um, We have some other format ideas. I think it's important in formats like that from a competitive standpoint to have that type of exposure um, because it's not something that, like, like, let's just say you and I were just to play this format, to play test it and put that video out there, like, I think it's not as obvious that that's what's actually going on. because right. like, Obviously, these cards are all legal. Yes. So, like, we could just be doing this for the heck of it. Um, I don't think it'll have as much meaning as like showing actual tournament games that
0: that, that have this. I agree with it. you there. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And getting the other minds involved so that people can fully explore it as best we can. So. Yep. So, like I said, I think that'll do it for tonight. Thank you, everyone, who was hanging out for the live stream. So the usual sign off folks. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and Black Lives Matter.